Welcome to the Make Money Behave podcast, where we talk about your money, your circumstances, and the small changes in your behavior that will have a big impact on both. My name is Maria Casillas, and I am honored to be your host. All right, guys, thanks for joining me today. I am honored to be joined by Sam Crowley, the first actual coach that I paid to individually coach me. And I say it like that because before you, Sam, I actually did some of like the online stuff, you know, where you have this courses and stuff and people are there with the, but you were the first guy that I said, you know what, this guy's the real deal. And I am going to lay thousands down so that I can be around greatness. And so I just like to thank you for joining the Make Money Be Here podcast today and allow me to pick your brain for a few minutes. Oh, I love it. Hey, thanks for having me, Maria. It's funny. I remember it's over two years ago. You know, it's once you make a decision, everything changes. And you made that decision. You were probably like, oh my God, I got to part with all this money. I'm going to pay this guy. To go. We're still friends and we still coach and we still talk way past that, you know, that original timeline that we were going to work together. That's two and a half years ago. That's how yeah. life works, you know? Yeah. And uh, the fun's been all mine, man. It's great knowing you and seeing all the great stuff you're doing. Well, so, thank you. Now I, I get to be on your podcast. How incredible I know, is this? I'm honored. I'm so honored. Okay, so I know that we don't have a ton of time today, Sam. So I wanted to share with my listeners some of the things that, that actually attracted me to your brand because I think it's the things that are actually coming through in my brand as well. And I think that that's why I want people just to kind of hear that and know kind of where some of that started. So I know I did not set you up for any of this. You have no idea what I'm no, going to talk to you about. Blindsided. <laughs> blindsided. But, but I'm, you've got so many stories that go along with this stuff. So the first thing I want to tell you that I heard about and is so relevant to, to today is the idea about a crisis, that you're either going into one, you're in the middle of one, or you're coming out yep. of one. And yep. a lot of the people that I work with, they are usually in the middle of a crisis. So what is one time, one crisis that you remember being, finding yourself in the middle of, Sam, that you also feel comfortable sharing with my listeners? Well, the first thing that comes to my mind is bankruptcy. It shouldn't be the first thing, but it is, you know, because uh, my ego took a huge shot. And that was 2005. I quit my job. I was a corporate exec, making 100 grand a year. And for me, it, everything was tied to that. My ego, my status, everything uh, was this because I spent 15 years of my life in the same company. And that for me was a big deal because I never dedicated hardly any time to anything prior to that. And so when I quit, I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I bought a franchise, didn't work, lost 300 grand, had to file bank. And I look, Maria, I mean, bankruptcy is like the scarlet letter of the financial world. Mm. It felt that way to me. Like I've only heard bankruptcy in the most negative terms possible. Like it, the next step after that is the gas chamber. That was in my mind, you know? Wow. So, you know, I had no idea that you could rebound from that because I didn't know anybody other than I just knew that it was just this terrible thing. So, you know, I met with a bankruptcy attorney and while I was going back to the company that I quit, it only lasted 90 days, but I had to go back to the bottom rung of the ladder. And that crisis for me was all mental, you know, mm -hmm. which your podcast, Make Money Behave, is fascinating because if people actually knew that they could do that, even in the middle of my bankruptcy, I could make money behave, which sounds so counterintuitive. And I'll share with you how I was able to do that. Because once you have control over your money and the money doesn't have control over you, here's the wild thing is once I lost everything, money had no control over me anymore. That's crazy because you know, I, it, I had nothing left to control me, you know, mm -hmm. it always controlled me. And I, I, I don't, I don't say this because I'm that guy, like, thank God it happened. I, I didn't want that to happen. I didn't, I'd be better off if it didn't happen. But if that didn't happen, you and I would have never met because I would have never launched every day Saturday. 
and I would have never become a speaker or a podcast or anything like that. So, you know, when you're in the middle of a crisis, it don't, the cliches are terrible. You don't want to hear them. It's just, but if I sat here and said that that bankruptcy crushed me and it ruined me and all that would have been true in that moment, Mm -hmm. but that moment passes. And I think everybody that's currently in the middle of a crisis, you need to understand, look at your future self. So I used to, all, and I'm telling you that this is true. So most of my stories are true. I think you know. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I fast forwarded always six months, nine months, 12 months, six months, nine months, 12 months. So it, on the, in September of 2005, I'm meeting with a bankruptcy attorney. Bankruptcy laws were changing October 18th of that year, making it much harder to file. Or at least looking at a little bit more than just, hey, I'm, I'm done. Thank you very much. I filed a Chapter 13, which had a restructuring deal to it. And my youngest daughter was born October 5th, Paige, you know, my youngest at the time. I didn't know I was going to have a fourth. But anyway, I had three daughters under the age of five. And filing bankruptcy, getting demoted, going back to my job, that was a major crisis. But I would say, okay, what's December this year going to look like? You know? Because I would have already been bankrupt. I don't even know what that looks like, you know. And then when I was in December, I still hadn't had it signed off on yet. But I'm like, hey, what's March going to look like of 2006? Oh, my God, 2006. I got to get used to writing that on a check, man. Wow, that's crazy. I can't believe it's going to be 2006, man. And then June came of that year. I'm like, I wonder what 2007. And in 2007, I quit the job again. And I launched, you know, my first YouTube video went live in April of that year. My point being is you're always going to either be going into in the middle of or coming out of, and we'd all love to be coming out and never see a crisis again. But let me tell you, Maria, crisis is is strictly financial. Crisis can be Mm -hmm. health-driven, which can cause financial strife. Health can be, uh, crisis can be relationship. You ever heard of the word divorce? I mean, that happens every now and again. So, you know, it can always be that. And I think the more you go through them, the more you're prepared on how you're going to deal with it and how you're going to come out. Because there's, no sense of going through one unless you're going to have a plan to get out of it. And sometimes it ain't even up to you how you get out. Of it. You know, you get forced out of it a certain way, kind of shot out of a cannon. But I will tell everybody listening, especially as it relates to finances, you're not in, you're not camped out in the valley. You're not staying there. You're on your way. You're just passing through whatever that looks like to you. I would say always look at your future self three to six months out, looking back at the situation. That's it. Yeah, I love that. And I think one of the things too, Sam, that it probably resonated with me a couple of years ago, because I had gone, I mean, we all, I had gone through a pretty deep crisis had gotten out of that. And it's so easy sometimes to just kind of be complacent. Like, oh, phew, that was, that was great. You know, got out of that one. And then I heard you say, you're always going into one in the middle of one or coming out of one. I'm like, ah, dang it. That means there's another one right around the corner. And I don't don't mean to be, you know, a downer on that. What I do mean to say though, is that if you're using that strategy that you just said, always looking at yourself, you know, three, six months ahead, then it's possible that your person three, six months ahead is going to actually be going into another crisis. And so it's okay to prepare yourself for that as well. So I just want to thank you for actually bringing that to the table because that, that was one of the things I heard. The other thing I heard that said, I, I want to for sure hire this guy was that a faith that's never been tested can't be trusted. And I've heard you say it over and over and over since then. And that just super resonated with me because I, I believe that so strongly and my faith has been tested over and over again. And I know that I don't share tons of um, my sons of my crises 
on my podcast, but I have shared some. And one of them is that the um, the family makeup that you and I have is so similar. It's almost <laughs> a little bit eerie. You know, you mentioned that you had three girls and you thought that was your last one. And then all of a sudden you had this fourth girl and it was after I hired you that I had three girls and I thought that was our last one. And then all of a sudden later in age, you know, we end up with this fourth girl and it was just uncanny some of that, how that happened. And of course that created some financial crises for us. Yeah because yep. of all the high deductible stuff. And so all of it started playing together. And I, I was just really glad that um, that we could share that story. But I, I know it's a really long story. Can you give us the short version of the biggest story in your life where you found that a faith that hasn't been tested can't be trusted? Yeah, look, let me start. Before I share that story, let me say, everybody wants the testimony without the test. Yes, and so, love that. you know, look, I get clients come to me. That's why you and I resonate so well, because number, number one, we never got to worry about what the other person's thinking. We're both, you know, we're free to give each other feedback. It's very authentic, you know? And so that's a great relationship to have with anybody. Um, secondly, a lot of people come to me as clients are like, I'm going to be your best testimonial. I'm like, well, can you handle the test? You know, because without that, you aren't going to be the testimonial, you know? Mm -hmm. And sadly, some people come into my business, they'll pay me $25,000 and I, I can't find them with a search warrant. You know, like, I don't know what happened to them. They just mm -hmm. went away because they don't want to be held accountable and they don't want to go through the test. So mm -hmm. if you have a testimony, that means you, you got through the test. Okay. Awesome. Doesn't mean you got an A. That's a, this right. isn't like, you know, who gets an A. Mm -hmm. And that's why I'm just so put off by, you know, people call me a motivational speaker. I don't like that. I'll receive that because I know it's in good heart. They're saying that. And because I will motivate and inspire them, but that's so just, there's so many bad people doing that job. You know what I mean? It's like, they're trying to put perfume on a pig and making sure that, Oh, it's all great. I never have a bad day. Well, you're lying. You have a bad day. I have a bad day. We're human beings. You know, right. doesn't mean you have to make a, that's maybe had a bad five minutes and you turn it into a bad day. That's mm -hmm. a little bit different, you know, yeah. but everybody has a bad, bad section. So in 2014, it's funny, right around this time, June, we're recording this in June of 2020, this podcast today, uh, fat, rewind six years ago, my wife started having complications and, you know, we found out, we thought we were delivering our baby at 18 weeks, this baby girl. Uh, we didn't even know it was a girl. We had to find that out cause we had an emergency ultrasound. And so that started this whole sequence of events throughout the summer of 2020. My wife was on and off bed rest, couldn't move. I'm shuttling around three kids. You know, it's like to have three kids in the summertime. That's hard enough with two parents, you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. three kids in the summer with swimming and soccer and lacrosse or whatever it is you got going on. Um, you know, with your wife slash mom laid up trying to fold laundry while she's horizontal because she feels guilty that she's bed rest, but you know, complicated. We went to the emergency room. We were in labor and delivery at least three or five, four or five times that summer thinking we were delivering at 18 weeks, 20 weeks, 21 weeks. Well, finally on August 10th at, you know, I don't even know what time it was, uh, right around noon, uh, her water broke, 23 weeks. And wow. that was it. We went to Children's Hospital that we're going to... What's funny is we had already been down this road in the year 2000. We delivered a baby boy, Matthew, at 20 weeks and had to have him baptized, say goodbye to him. His heart start, stopped beating after about four hours or so. So we had been down this road before. This was, you know, we had that delivery. Then she had a miscarriage. And in between, we had three kids. And now we've got this situation. I'm going uh, to pause if that's okay. Because um, I've had several miscarriages myself. And I know that for when, when you've been through something so many times, it's really difficult to not replay that and have yeah. and just decide that that's going to be the outcome for this one too so i can yeah. only imagine that especially after the loss of matthew several years before you're back in that same spot i i mean 
I can't yeah. imagine that it wasn't going through your mind. Like you had already oh, fast forwarded, you know, four hours and we're already knowing that, you know, oh, this little baby's not going to make it. Is that accurate? Yeah, for sure. At the time? I mean, look, we have photos of Matthew and they're not pleasant because it doesn't look like a human being. I mean, can we just call it what it is? I mean, it, a baby at 20 weeks does not look like a baby at 40 weeks. Okay. Right. Uh, he, he's human. We all know that. Well, mm-hmm. I believe, I believe in Jesus Christ and I believe in the Holy Spirit. So I believe that our child is in heaven and I'll see him, you know, mm-hmm. that to me gives me, gives me great hope. But a baby at 20 weeks is not, we've never shown our daughters photos of Matthew, even our 19 year old, because we just don't want them to see him like that, you know? But anyway, we, we, you know, we keep those photos in a box and we just, you know, we, he's, he's with us that way. But at that time, and you know, prior to us having Laura in 2004, Angela had a miscarriage and all that stuff's so freaking mental, you know, you know, Maria, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a mental, just freaking torturous process for a female the guy i mean we don't know what to do because we're guys we just like you know can i get you a cup of tea we're (laughs) stupid we're just neanderthals you know so that's what we say you know and so when we were going through what we're going through with with um with angela back six years ago and susan she was born at 24 weeks angela was uh in children's hospital for a week and then she delivered and she looked very similar to Matthew, a little better, but not much by a few weeks. And I figured, well, she'll, you know, and every doctor was preparing us for the whole doom and gloom of if she makes it a few hours, expect really bad, she'll struggle breathing and then she'll pass away. And then mm-hmm. if by God, I mean, the chance she even does live, she'll have cerebral palsy or some profound neurological disorder to where you, she'll be a vegetable her whole life. I mean, these are the, basically the situation we had. Well, she's, she's going to turn six in August of this year. Susan came home after nine months on a ventilator and a trach. She got trached. Uh, she was on a trach for a few years. And you know what's funny, man? When you're in the storm like that, I was just so dialed in because Ange was so dialed in. And we just dropped our kids off to school every day. When Ange got discharged after a few days, we would go down. School was just starting, which was really good, actually. The kids could be around their friends in the school year. Susan was born August 17th of 2020. So between June, when I described, and August is when we're going through all this going into labor delivery, labor delivery. And so we were down for 221 days. We went up and down I-71 to downtown Cincinnati, and we visited Susan. And, you know, when you're in that type of thing, everyone was like, you guys are, are you sure you're not superhuman? And it's no different. You would have done the same thing. You know, me, all I had to be was a supporting husband and figure out a way to make a couple bucks on the internet because all I needed to do was just support her and be there for my older three daughters. But let me tell you something, even with that, that's not as bad as it gets for families. You know, we, and even then I used that same methodology when Susan was born in August. I'm like, God, I wonder what she's going to look like at Christmas. Well, you know, careful what you wish for December, first week of December, I'm speaking on stage in Orlando and get a text two hours before I go up on stage. Susan's getting a trach today. I'm like, what the, what are you talking about? Like, I don't even know what a trait. I mean, like, oh my gosh, she's having that thing shoved in her throat. So I went back home. I couldn't speak. I had my worst sales day. I sell from stage. That's how I make money when I speak. I sell a product from stage. Well, I had my worst closing day ever. I just, I went to the bar that night, got drunk. I probably had like a whole bottle of scotch thinking, what am I going home to? You know? Yeah. And I was ready to go through another crisis. I'm like, God, really? You're giving us all and a trach? I don't know what, I don't even know what a trach is, you know? And so I got back and Susan didn't look anything. She was like a blowed up, like somebody took an air pump and blew her face up because she had so much trauma to her upper body. Poor thing. And so that's a whole different, what do you do with that? But, you know, I'm like, yeah, I wonder what Christmas is going to look like. And every time they're like, I don't know when she's coming home. I don't know when she's coming home. And then you'd see kids that didn't go home. You'd be in the NICU and they'd take them with the cloth draped over and like, oh my God, this is, but all you can do is all you can do. And all you can do is enough. 
So mm-hmm. my goal at some point, Maria, was to get through lunch. Mm-hmm. And then if I got through lunch, it was to get through dinner and just get to bed. And sometimes we'd go to bed and we get a phone call to come say goodbye to Susan. You know, so it's like, you know, you hear all of this, but still, as crazy as that sounds, we still didn't have it as bad as some other people out there. Because the one thing we always had, we had hope and we had our faith in God. So mm-hmm. a faith that's never been tested can't be trusted. Our faith was tested so many times, but never wavered at one iota. Because I was like, God, if you're going to take her, take her. You know, she'll be with Matthew. We're all going to be together in 80 years anyway. I probably got a good 20 years for how much I drank in college. It might even be less than that, you know. But, you know, I got Spoken a good like 20. A true, true man who was a little bit later, you know, dad a little bit older than he expected, huh? Yeah, exactly. I mean, look, I'll be 52 in a couple of weeks and, you know, we'll all be together. But if you just, if you decide to keep Susan with us, can you make, as long as we're doing a little bit of deal, mate, can you make right. it a little bit easier? Because it was more than Angela. I mean, she was pumping three every three hours to get milk, mm-hmm. twenty four hours a day. So she never slept. She didn't get. She never. We still didn't sleep because when Susan got home, she was on a ventilator and a trach, and all those bells go off all night. But let me tell you something, man. That was what felt like hell. I mean, literally hell mm-hmm. for three years of not sleeping, fighting with your spouse, fighting with your kids, never going on a date, wondering if. I got a bill one time for $1.4 million or something from the hospital. I, I literally laughed and threw it in the garbage. I'm like, what am I going to do with a bill for a million? Like, I just laughed and I threw it away, you know? Uh-huh. So yeah. anyway, so well, that's, I'm, and- that's what it means. It can't be tested, can't be trusted. Now we're six years removed and things are going great. Yeah. And, you know, I'm really glad that you shared. I, I kind of guessed you'd share that story only because I've heard it so many times and absolutely love it. Um, the part that I want to bring the listeners back to real quick is when you said sometimes we just went from, you know, breakfast to lunch and then we just had to make it from lunch to dinner and then, you know, the next step. And then we just had to go from this day to this day. And that ties perfectly to the third thing that I have just, I I immediately said, okay, this for sure. I'm going to call this guy. I'm going to stop the thing. I'm going to see if we're good fit (laughs) because what you said one time was you guys, you don't need to get your clients from point A to point Z. You just got to get him from point A to point B. And I, you know, this as one of my coaches, I tend to overthink things and I am a recovering overthinker. (laughs) And Uh and I, I know that that's one of the things that holds me back. And I, so when I first launched my own coaching business, I had gotten through a lot of stuff, right? Like, so if you, once you've gone through a crisis, you're like, okay, well, I know I can come out the other side and I know I can help someone else come out the other side. And so my focus was always, let's get them on the other side, meaning like, you know, all the way across the ravine. And what you help pull back and say, what you help me see is like, no, you don't have to get them all the way across the ravine. You just have to get them one step closer to that edge. Right. And and then you have to help them see how to go from this point to the next point. And the story that you just told Sam really is a real life indication that that can be applied to every area of our life. It doesn't have to be, we don't even have to think that we're doing it, you know, just, we can get ourselves from this point to this point. And you've said it in, you know, think about yourself in three months or in six months. That's not looking at yourself in five, 10, 12 years. You're actually just getting yourself from point A to point B. So those are the things that really made me say, yes, he, this, he totally gets it. And, and now these are the things that I like to share with the people that I help. So I want to thank you personally for just embedding that into my life and, 
and allowing me to steal some of that from you. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you always say that it's yours. It's it's theirs once you like say it once you give them credit. And after that, you know, it's yours. So all these cool things really, I've been telling these people they're mine, but they're going to hear the truth today. Know that I got got them. And and just know that I stole them from somebody else anyway. I I figure, I figure that. (laughs) So is there anything that you would like to share with my audience before we wrap this up that we didn't really cover today? Yeah, I mean, I mean, look, I think, you know, we're talking about some heavy stuff today, but still, you know, keeping the main thing, the main thing is I don't major in minor things. Mm-hmm. I don't do that. So when you came on board as a client, it's the same with other clients. Like, you know, I always tell them up front, I'm, I'm, I'm good at like one thing, and that is figuring out what your zone of genius is and keeping it really simple. And I like the fact that I don't get bogged down. I don't want to dive into the data. You, although you call yourself an overthinker, people like you are so much needed because if I'm asking you for advice on things that are as important in finances and things like that, I want someone to overthink for me. So then you can give me, go ahead and do whatever you got to do, whatever brain gymnastics you do, okay? (laughs) And you, whatever things you put on a spreadsheet, and you go do all of that and then compartmentalize that and then train like we've got Google Translate, for example. My, <laughs> my, my goal, if I used you, would be give you my whole situation where I'm at right now, put it into Maria Translate, and then get that back out to where I can understand it. And I think if everybody understood that, if you're in the coaching and consulting business, you know, we would agree that clients are good for business. Would you agree with that statement, Maria? Yeah, clients absolutely. are good for business? Okay. Mm-hmm. So if clients are good for business, why make it difficult for them to do business with you? You know, make it easy for them to do business with you. And if you're in a situation right now where you're struggling with money, it's not the fact that you're not good or bad or anything with money. Nobody's born good. Everything is figure outable. Like you could hire Maria or you could use Maria's services or use the products that Maria creates. And there you can begin to shift your mindset because nothing, and I promise you, I've tried, I'm the ready fire aim guy. I'm the guy that's tried a thousand stupid things. And, and my wife, if she's on this podcast, say this Sam Crowley is the king of trying stupid things. Okay. <laughs> but I will, I will let you know this much that nothing you can't, you, there's nothing out there that somebody is just innately better at you that they learned it from somebody somewhere. And so when Maria put this brand together, you know, making money behave, I thought it was genius, Mary, because it really, it goes to the really foundation and it's the mindset that we all have with money. Like I was raised on welfare, so I, I just was born with that scarcity. You'll, you'll never have it. It's only for the rich people. You're a Crowley. Crowleys aren't wealthy. Just go do what you got to do. Work an hourly wage. And, you know, I've always battled with that mindset with money thing, you know, and, and with individuals like yourself teaching that mindset, because once you have that down, then it becomes a whole different ballgame. Now you can, when I was talking about the bankruptcy, these dollar bills don't have control over you any longer. These bill collectors do not have control over you any longer. I'm not telling you to go bankrupt. What I am telling you is to hit the reset button and ask yourself, what is my relationship with money? What is my relationship? What's my mindset? What do I think about money? And then when you do that, ask the question, where did I learn that from? Mm-hmm. Where was I taught? I was taught from my mom, single mom, raised eight kids, single alcoholic mom, raising eight kids by herself. My dad left when I was three months old. I learned everything about money from her. Now imagine how crazy that is. Okay. Yeah. So I go into the world after dropping out of college after two years. Only thing I know about money is what I learned from my alcoholic mom who raised eight kids by herself. Did the best she could, like amazing job. But that's all I knew. 
So I had to go learn it from people like Maria. So if you're listening to Maria's podcast and you're wondering, geez, what's the, what's this make money behave? It's the real deal. You know, people like Maria are needed out in the world because if you go out there without that advice, that's just like going out, going out into like getting a boat, taking it out of the harbor without any GPS, no compass and just sailing to sea and, and hoping you're going to run into your destination. That's the value that you bring, Maria. And you didn't ask me to do an thank infomercial. You. No, I didn't. I'm, I didn't. You know? I thank you for we saying that. <laughs> yeah, we haven't talked. It's not like we had any type of, matter of fact, it's the opposite. We have eight, ki we have eight kids between us. That's right. And got that's a, right. And we got about this much. I'm holding my fingers together about two seconds of time to knock a podcast out because it's that's the summertime right. when it's yep. the, oh, it's the best time to have kids, Maria. But I, I almost slipped and said it's the worst time to have kids. But I wasn't going to say But I do you thank need you it. for that. Yeah, you need individuals that are going to show you where that the bridge is out ahead. That's all. So, Maria, it's been great connecting. I mean, we're not going anywhere. We're going to continue to stay in touch. But I just wanted to, you know, edify you for people that are listening and thinking, geez, I wonder, this is what she does. Oh, okay, this is why I would need somebody. Because it doesn't matter if you're in a mess right now. Think of, I don't ever tell people, look, five years down the road. That's too long. Like, yeah. I, most people can't even see that long. But think three months from now. If you were to work with Maria, what would your life be different three months from now? Now you can see exactly how that would be, how exactly that. And don't ask for the testimony unless you can pass and get through the test, you know? Yeah, you I love that. I'm stealing that soon. That, that's next. Steal that's it. next on my list of stealing from you. <laughs> um, real I quick, it. I know it's, this is the last minute no I have. I want to say yeah. that we're never stopped learning. I mean, you mentioned, you know, the whole growing up with your mom and the mindset and all of that. And I just happen to know a little secret that that's, that's something that you still struggled with, you know, that Crowley's don't have money and can't have nice things, right? Yep. Up until just about a week and a half ago, could you share, <laughs> could you share yeah. what you went and did completely against your gut, oh, but yet, 100%. but yet are proud of that? Okay. I'm not a car guy. I don't, I don't, I've owned a Mercedes, but I, that was like a midlife crisis. So I believe cars get us from point A to point B. That's it. That's my whole point A to point B analogy, uh -huh. you know? So I have a podcast with over 18 million downloads that I do in a Kia Forte from a dark Dunkin' Donuts parking lot every morning. All right. And I bought a Kia Forte because I Googled it two years ago and said, what's the cheapest car you can buy brand new? And it came up Kia Forte. Like, I'm not talking about the little Mr. Magoo car, whatever that is. You right, know those right. ones I'm talking about? Yeah. Uh, I'm but talking cheapest about cheapest like car because Crowley's do cheap, right? That's cheap, what you, cheap, your cheap, mindset. Cheap. That's uh -huh. right. Yep. My mindset's cheap. So I bought a, a Kia Forte, 15 grand out the door. And I've been driving at, well, we were at the event in Vegas and our buddy, Mark Music, who you've had on your podcast is a mindset guy. And he called me out in front of everybody. He said, you should get a nicer car. You should get a blah, 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 blah. So we had a Camry that the lease was coming up this month in June. So I went out and I got a brand new Nissan Maxima loaded. Like this thing is like a freaking spaceship, man. So leather interior. And the kids got in and they're like, God, yeah, Crowley's are worthy. <laughs> yeah, well, my kids are different than my growing. Trust me, these guys don't don't have anything about money. You know, they 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 have no problem. You know, private country club pool. We got this Honda van elite Odyssey deal that's like a spaceship. But for me, uh -huh. I just use cars as a depreciating asset and didn't feel like I would want to. But 
you know, I do pretty well in what I do. I got a couple bucks in my pocket. So I went out to the dealership, got it. And now I'm driving around with a brand new Maxima. Thanks for asking. It's a week old. Yeah. You're welcome. Uh, I, I love the story just because it's, it says that you can do things that, that are in alignment with what your values are. And those didn't seem like your values, but what Mark brought up was Sam, you're worthy of that. Allow yeah, yourself to, to be worthy guilty. of that. Yeah. So, so I appreciate you doing that. I'm going to wrap this up because I know you've got to, you've got to go use a car now to go. Be I know I got to go Uber guy. <laughs> Uber, I'm the Uber guy that doesn't make any money. That's the you, difference. you betcha. Thank you so much, Sam, for being on the podcast today. We'll be in touch soon. <laughs> oh, my pleasure. Maria. Thanks for having me. I loved it. Thank you. you betcha. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye.